Hi, and welcome to The After Show, a new weekly podcast by Apre, a digital platform that connects experienced professional women with companies seeking talent and diversity. Join our community at apregroup.com. That's A-P-R-E-S group.com. I'm Jennifer Gevsky, your host and co-founder of Apre. Each week, I'll be talking to women who inspire, speakers, authors, coaches, and other experts with valuable tips and insights, along with employers who are hiring women returning to work or just repositioning their careers. Today, I'm speaking with Ada Bernier, the CEO and founder of Skill Crush, an interactive online tech learning community for creatives, thinkers, and makers. Skill Crush seeks to demystify technology and helps women completely transform their careers. I'm looking forward to hearing about all of the opportunities Skill Crush helps create for women. Hi, Ada, and thanks so much for being on the After Show today. Hello, thanks for having me. So I, I have a newfound obsession for your platform that's called Skill Crush. Tell us a little bit about it, and I'm, I'm very curious about what inspired you to start it. So Skill Crush is an online tech education company. So we teach um, tech skills, coding and web design predominantly. And um, our goal is really to provide our students both with the skills that they need and then really show them how to use those skills to make money. So we're, you know, our audience is largely, um, you know, we estimate over 80% women. So we're really focused on helping women um, who are sort of, you know, early to mid-career figure out how they can use technology skills to advance their careers, transition into a new line of work, or maybe, um, you know, find that sort of flexibility and control that they're looking for. And how did you start it? I know you, you're not, I, I think you're a self-taught coder. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what inspired you to start Skill Crush? Yeah. So Skill Crush was really inspired. It was really came out of, you know, sort of two critical experiences that I had um, early on in my career. And the first was simply that, um, you know, I, I started off as a, I was kind of one of those people who was sort of right on the cusp of being sort of technical and non-technical. Um, so I came out of art school. Um, I graduated with a bachelor, you know, bachelor's degree in art and African American studies. And fortunately for me, um, you know, and this was not, a, and this was completely something that happened to me, not something I chose. But when I was in art school, I was a photography student, and that was right in the moment where I was transitioning from analog to digital. And because of that, I got a lot of experience using um, sort of design programs like Adobe Photoshop and that kind of whole suite of programs. Again, not by choice, but just because that was kind of forced upon me. And that sort of gave me an entree into the whole sort of tech side of the house. Um, And I got hired at an online magazine as a photo editor. And that was my first exposure to what it meant to sort of be, you know, what a technology team looks like, you know, what are the different roles? What's a developer? What's a designer? What do they do? You know, that whole thing because I had had no exposure to that prior. I was definitely interested in the internet and, you know, sort of thought that technology and media was really interesting. Um, But I didn't have, I mean, I like, you know, people ask me all the time, did you do computer science classes in college? And I'm like, there wasn't even like a millisecond in college where I considered doing a computer science class because as far as I was aware at the time, 
like that bore no relationship to anything that I was interested in, which I think, you know, just says a lot about sort of how computer science is taught in colleges. Although I think that's changed a lot in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, which is great. But anyway, so I, um, you know, started to learn about that and kind of in that process became really interested in what it meant to code and what that looked like. And, you know, and sort of through a series of unfortunate events, which I um, love to talk about of sort of getting laid off and kind of, you know, being like, oh, crap, what am I going to do now? Um, sort of went ahead and dove in and decided that I would learn to code and had this experience of it just completely transforming my whole career, like almost instantaneously. Um, you know, I was at the time interested in working in media and I was sort of thinking about going the writer route um, in journalism or, you know, um, radio production. And, you know, that process is long and hard and, you know, not very well paid. And, um, you know, and then I sort of went into um, data journalism instead um, because I, you know, all of a sudden had this new technology skill, set of technology skills, and I can marry that with my journalism skills. Um, and it, it was just, it was like night and day. It was like doors that I, I thought that I would have spent, you know, years banging down, um, just flew open for me. And before I knew it, I was working for the New York Times doing data journalism, which was kind of, you know, the, the sort of goal I had and, and had envisioned that maybe would happen to me, you know, 10 to 15 years down the road. Um, so that was just this experience. And then the other part of it too was that, you know, I had grown up like all of us really, you know, with this idea that coding was dry and boring and, you know, antisocial and all those things. And I just found that it was, it was the opposite of all of that. It was interesting and creative and I got to meet all these people because I did it. And, um, and I just, I really felt like, you know, it just felt like I had kind of stumbled into the honeypot and I didn't, I was like, I have to spread the word. <laughs> I have to tell other people about this. This is amazing. Basically, Skill Crush was sort of born out of all of that thinking coming together and thinking about, you know, why don't I give it a try? Why don't I try to write about this stuff in the manner in which like I experience it um, and try to make it appealing and interesting and fun and relevant um, to an audience who doesn't necessarily see that relevance right away. And to be honest with you, Skillcrush started as a side project completely, and I had no, you know, aspirations or thoughts that it would be anything more than that. Um, and then it was just one of those interesting experiences of, like, you're kind of going along doing your thing, and you're trying to, like, you know, I was, we were working on some different projects, trying to get some other types of businesses off the ground and none, nobody was interested in those businesses, but everyone was super interested in Scale Crash. Um, so that was one of those, you know, you sort of respond to what the market is telling you. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I, I've never heard of someone talk about coding in the way you just talked about it. And it's inspiring me because obviously I have, uh, you know, our own website. And so I'm on the back end of our website all the time. And I look at it and I just want to cry because I, it's like looking at complete foreign language for me. Um, and I just think to myself, like, I have to know how to do at least some of this. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like for a lot of people and a lot of my students, even it's not necessarily that they're going to go into full-time development, you know, developer roles. Um, but I think a basic fluency of, 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 you know, 
how technology works, how it comes together and a basic sort of comfort, like feeling, you know, not feeling how you feel, but feeling like, okay, maybe I'm not super fluent in this coding language, but I have a basic understanding of how these things come together, um, you know, and what the different parts are and what, you know, what it means. Like if I ask somebody to do something for me, what is that, what am I asking really? You know, is that possible, is that easy, is it hard? That kind of thing um, is honestly, it's just, I think it's increasingly gonna become a requirement for so many jobs. Um, and the more you sort of, you know, empower yourself in that arena, I think the, the better off you are. So let's talk a little bit about the classes you offer on the site. I mean, how long does it typically take for your student to become educated in coding or learning how to create a website? Is there a sort of a standard time frame it's for a student? Yeah, so um, right now, we basically, our initial sort of flagship product were these blueprints, which were three months. And it was basically, you would take three classes that kind of complemented one another. Um, and, you know, our guarantee to our students was that with those three classes, you'd be able to start actually making money with your skills. Um, in terms of being, you know, obviously, like, it is, it's a, it's a lifeline process of learning. And one of the challenges and great aspects of technology is that it's always changing. So you're never really done learning. Um, right now we have a new program called the All Access Blueprint, and it's really our most comprehensive program. And it's really designed to get you from, I've never, you know, designed or coded anything in my life to I'm actually ready to apply for jobs. And our goal there is to get you from, you know, A to Z in nine months. Um, so I think, you know, yeah, so that's kind of what we tend to tell students. Like we're looking at about 90 days to where you can start making some money with it. And then we're looking around a nine month time frame for um, actually being able to kind of transition either maybe full-time freelance or um, start applying for, you know, jobs. Well, and what I think is so important for certainly the Apre members and other people listening to this podcast is what this platform, what Skill Crush offers um, Opry members and others is the ability to really work on your own schedule, you know, to, to get the skills for project-based work and part-time work. And I think that that is out there for tech almost more than any other industry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, and I, you know, one of the things there's, I mean, yes, that I would say that is the single most sort of common and popular desire from our students is that they want flexible work, um, or remote work. So flexibility, whether it's in location or time or both. Um, and I also think that, um, you know, one of the things that we're really trying to solve for people is I know that there's a lot of people who maybe want to start a business or want to freelance, but don't feel like they have the skill. So our goal is really to be able to provide you with both. So be able to provide you both with the skill that you can then use to freelance and then teach you how to do that. And how does it work once you're on the site? Is it, are they live classes? Is it take at your own leisure? How does it, how does it work in terms of people being able to schedule their own time? So yeah, our classes are all pre-recorded, uh, meaning that you can really do them at your own time. Depending on the program that you do, they're sort of, they vary from being totally flexible, completely you set the pace to, um, you know, being a little bit more on a schedule. So um, that's really just about, you know, what feels right for you. Like some people like the accountability of being on a schedule. Other people, you know, prefer something that's going to be more flexible that allows them maybe to like dive really deep in for a couple of weeks and then scale it back a little as they need it, given their life circumstances. Um, that, that said, we do, you know, 
what we have really found makes such a big difference for the success of our students is that we provide them with a lot of support. And that support is real time. Um, and, you know, meaning that we, um, you know, offer like, depending on the program you do, you can, you'll get monthly career counseling sessions. So that's where you actually meet for half an hour with a career counselor and talk about how you're doing, um, you know, talk about your goals, set sort of, um, you know, your plans for the next month, and then have a check in about that to hold you accountable. Um, we also do live office hours, and that's where you get on a Google Hangout um, and talk to your instructor. So that's, you know, the difference is a career counselor, someone who you're, you're with the whole time, whereas the instructor is specific to whatever class you're taking. So let's say you're taking a, a design class, you'll meet with one of our design instructors, um, you know, they'll look at your work, they'll give you feedback, maybe they'll do sort of like a group activity where you get to look at other people's work um, and review their work, that kind of thing. Um, and then we have, you know, you're, you can always email your instructors anytime, day or night. We also have forums where you can ask questions and either your instructors or other students can help you. So anyways, that, that sort of community feel and feeling like you're not alone um, is really, really important and I think is critical to um, the success of our students. Because I think, you know, there's so, I mean, first of all, like a question we get a lot is like, why would I do scale crush when I can sort of just find this stuff on the internet for free? And that's true um, to a large extent. You know, obviously, I think that skill crush, like we work really hard to kind of organize it for you and put it in a format that's going to, um, you know, get you from A to Z fastest. And also, I think as a beginner, it's very, very challenging to try to put together your own curriculum when you don't know what you don't know. So I think that's obviously, those are obviously values or sort of value that we're able to provide at Skillcrush. But I think that, you know, the hardest, there's just, there is a thing and you see this even with some of these subscription companies where you can sort of, you know, buy a monthly subscription and get access to 10,000 courses. Like, it's just really hard to extract the value out of that. You know, it's like, we all have access to libraries. We all have access to the internet, but then, but like, why aren't we all coders already? <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. But I also think there's something about making the commitment, you know, and sort of being accountable for, for going through with it because yeah. it is, I mean, as you said, it's not something that's super easy to learn necessarily right off the bat for a beginner. But if you are, have a community, you can talk to somebody. For me, nothing's more frustrating than trying to learn something on YouTube and being like, I have no idea what this person's talking about. And now I've just wasted half an hour of my time because I have no way to ask them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so we work very hard. Um, you know, obviously we take great pride in our curriculum and have a staff of curriculum writers who work really hard. But I think, you know, equally important is all the support that we provide our students. Um, so. so so I have to ask you about, obviously, gender diversity in the tech mm -hmm. industry, because it makes the news, I feel like, almost every day. And unfortunately, just the other day, there was this big news story coming out of Google about an employee who wrote a memo um, on gender diversity. Did you hear about that memo? Yep, absolutely. I read yeah. the memo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I read it and, you know, it's certainly as, as a woman who obviously believes a lot in, in very strongly in gender diversity, it's, it's really eye opening to me to see that there are people out there that actually think that way. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I also recently read a stat that said something like 60% of women in the tech industry leave the industry after they have their first child. So I can't remember where I read it, so I can't really tell you whether or not it's 100% accurate, but it's pretty s astonishing, right? And the, and the tech industry in, it is, in and of itself does have this idea of this bro culture um, 
that is, sort of percolates throughout the the industry. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is. I guess the thing I always want to emphasize to my students is that when they're talking about the tech industry in these terms, what they tend to be talking about is like a very, very specific definition of what it means to what the tech industry is and what it means to work in tech. So usually what they're talking about is, you know, women working on large development teams at, at these major sort of household name companies. So Google, Microsoft, et cetera, et cetera. You know, to me, I think working in tech and being a technologist is I believe in a much more expansive definition of that. Um, and what I'm trying to do with my students is really to give them these skills to do whatever they want with, right? So they can start their own businesses. They can go work at, so. I mean, there's so many opportunities in tech that are not sort of in tech as it's defined in this sort of narrow bubble, um, you know, of working for one of these big names. In terms of, you know, women going to work at Google or Uber or Microsoft, um, you know, it's hard. For, I mean, look, I I can speak for myself and say that I took a look at that and said, I don't want that. It looks unfriendly. And, um, you know, these don't, these don't sound like cultures that I want to be a part of. Um, it doesn't seem like a place that's welcoming of me. And so I decided to, you know, make my own own way. And the truth of the matter is, like, it's I don't feel comfortable advocating. I wouldn't tell my students, yes, you should absolutely go to work for Google. It sounds like a great place to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds fabulous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that they have a long, hard road to forge ahead to really figure out how, you know, obviously it's really important, I think, to state that this was a memo written you know, I read the memo and it's this guy writes it as if he knows what he's talking about. But these are just, you know, thoughts that occurred to this guy who's completely unqualified to 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 make these statements. Right. He says things like fact when I mean, this is a software developer working at Google, um, not a social scientist. So his any of his claims were not backed by data. They were just theories that are convenient for him, given the situation that he's in and his opinion. Um, but I think it's alarming that. Um, I mean, it's alarming to read this. And I, you know, I read such a good takedown where the guy, this guy who used to work at Google was like, you know, part of your job as a engineer, I mean, he was basically sort of disputing a lot of this, this guy's arguments. And one of the things he disputed was that part of your job as an engineer is to understand the impact of what you do. And what he said, it was like, you know, this, what this guy clearly like was incapable of was understanding sort of, you know, like the immense amount of pain he was about to rain down on Google by writing this statement, you know, and everyone who works at Google, which I think is a really, really important and valuable point. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a, it's a multi-pronged problem. Like you need a pipeline of women, right? We need to increase the amount of women who are work, who are, are interested in technology. And then we need to get the hiring practices figured out. And then, you know, probably even most importantly for a company like Google is they really need to figure out retention because, you know, you can keep sort of feeding women into the, the front of the sausage factory. But like if it's, if it's a, you know, if it's a toxic environment, they're not going to stay. And I think long term, it's it's going to hurt Google um, and all of these companies to not have a more diverse workforce. All of the data says that the greater diversity, the more factual the organization is, you know, the more stable, the more, um, you know, the more capital efficient and higher profit. So long term, this is not a winning strategy. 
Right, of course, and certainly the more innovative, you know, I think the more diverse the team is, the more innovative it can be. That research is out there as well. Um, yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the damage done to Google as an employer from this one memo because literally like strangers were approaching me about the memo. It made such big news. So, you know, it's, it's certainly disheartening. And I recently had a meeting at Rochester Institute for Technology, which is very sort of um, one of the sort of forefront um, universities in tech. And they're beginning to teach their students at the college level about these issues, which I think is amazing, you know, about the gender issues and, um, and preparing women for the sort of the workplace culture and how to deal with it, which I just think is extraordinary because I think if you can equip women with those tools and have them understand that, no, it's not you, um, it's the environment and here are the things you can do about it, I think that can go a long way. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you know, I have to say, like, I had this experience in college where I went to Yale and, um, you know, it was interesting because Yale is a place that went co-ed in the late like 1969, I believe, was the first class of women, and um, and it didn't even I don't even think it reached gender parity until like 1990 or something like this. And it's this old university and has all of this tradition and history, and it's got this whole sort of story. Like you go there, and it's like Yale, you know, Yale college students have like done everything. They've been president, and like yada yada, you know. But it's this thing where you're like a woman there, and you're like, yeah, but like you're talking about men, Yale college men. Right. And, um, and then, um, you know, and then you're kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't see myself in this history and I don't see sort of examples of women who've come out of Yale and done so well. And then when I was at there at school, um, the, I think it was called the opt-out revolution article came out and it was like all about these Princeton women who all opted out. And it was just so depressing as an undergraduate to be like, here I am working my ass off. I worked my ass off to get here. Um, you know, I want to believe that the world is my oyster. And then the New York Times is telling me like, no, like you're just going to end up like, you know, deciding that it doesn't work. You can't have it all and you can't work. Um, and I just think, I don't know. I mean, that's really, it's so important I don't know. I mean, this is obviously what you're working on is what I'm working on. We're all looking for ways to, um, you know, create work environments and create a way for women to work that's functional, that works for them, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I was going to say, look at, you know, look at what you've done, though. You've created this platform. You've created your own um, source of employment, which I think is incredible. And then also providing women with the opportunity to enter into a field where, you know, I, I will tell you that virtually every potential corporate partner we speak with is looking for women in tech, literally. I mean, like we get that almost every day. And so it, there is such a high demand for what you're providing. And I think the opportunity to teach women these skills, even mid-career, um, especially when so many of our members at Opry are saying, you know, I, I was in finance before, I was in law before, and I don't want to do that again. Um, this is just such a great opportunity to do something new and something that's really in demand and that they can learn on their own time um, and then work part-time or project-based in whatever way that they want to work. So I think it's incredible. Right. And I would just, again, like, it's so important to me to, like, hammer this message over and over again, which is, like, it's not about getting tech skills and then waiting for one of these companies to, like, Dang you to be qualified to work for them. Like it really is about taking advantage of this, you know, unprecedented opportunity that we have at this moment 
as technology is sort of exploding every industry to kind of get in on the ground floor, learn the skills and then put them to work for you. It's really about, you know, I really, I really believe that this is just a tool, like a toolkit and it's about taking advantage of this toolkit and then figuring out, you know, do you want to run an, an education company or a job skills marketplace or, you know, a jobs marketplace, like what you're doing. Like there's so many different ways. I mean, there's just, there is basically, I mean, because of what technology is doing to our culture and our, you know, the entire world right now, there really is no limit to what sorts of opportunities you can create for yourself with these skills. Okay, so I'm gonna switch gears here for our final topic, which has to do with kids. So I also recently read an article that um, talked about that teaching kids foreign languages today is sort of a waste of time because within the next year or two, they're coming out with these sort of translators that everyone can wear on their ears. So if I happen to go to France, I can put on this translator and they can understand me and I can understand them. So why be teaching foreign languages? Instead, we should be teaching all kids to code. And like I, I read the article, I'm like, you know what? I kind of agree with that. Um, first of all, what's your view on that? Not so much on the foreign language, but do you think that kids should be learning to code at an early age? And what age do you think they should start learning? Yeah, I mean, this is like, you're really stretching the boundaries of my expertise. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm for kids learning to code. I think a lot of it, honestly, what kids could really benefit from um, is sort of learning the, the fundamentals of, of sort of computational thinking as it's called um, because you know computers and sort of computational machines are such a core part of everything um, in terms of what age I mean I don't know any age really like I don't I don't know that there's I don't have a you know, I'm sort of outside of my realm of expertise. Um, I do really dispute the idea that they shouldn't learn foreign language though because as someone who speaks two languages, um, I don't think that, like, I mean, I think anyone who speaks a second language understands the limitations of translation. And I think, you know, when you speak a different language, it, it's just, it's a whole different way to like look at the world. Good. Well, you're making me feel better because my kids have been learning Spanish for years. And I'm like, has that been a waste of time? So no, that I, no, I mean, yeah, no, it's not a waste of time. That's okay. So tell, tell us how people can find your site. Uh, so yeah, so you can find us at skillfresh.com. We have an awesome blog um, that produces a ton of content and a ton of sort of, we provide all these eBooks um, and just free resources that, you know, can keep you busy for quite a long time. Um, so definitely take a look at that. And then, you know, we're on all the social media, just at Skillcrush. Awesome. Thanks, Ada, so much. I'm so happy that we were able to get you on the show. I'm really excited about Skull Crush, and I'm not kidding that I actually am going to take a class. because awesome. I, <laughs> totally I, I know, and I'll keep you posted on how I do. That was Ada Bernier, founder of Skill Crush, an online community that teaches women digital skills like coding and design. We talked about how learning tech skills can create limitless opportunities, especially for women who are looking for flexibility in their careers. I wasn't joking when I said I'm taking a class. I hope you all check out their program offerings at skillcrush.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.